Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? His name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Major Garrett. From the nation's capital. Major, fantastic. It's the takeout. This is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Garrett. Yes, CBS. Yes, hi. Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better. Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes. Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. I'm Major Garrett. We are back out and about at restaurants. One of our favorites, Riss, in the west end of Washington, D.C., kind of close to the Washington Bureau of CBS. That's one of the reasons we come here. Also, Chicken Milanese for me. I'll just tell you that straight up, folks. So we're going to have a conversation this week. The entire show is going to be about legal issues still surfacing or surrounding former President Trump. Now, for those of you who like have had your fill of that, I get you. I totally get you. But we're going to have a perspective on that from someone who knows a little bit about what former President Trump is like. He's worked legally in this space, I think it's fair to say. He's got some expertise. He's got some knowledge. And we want to learn as much as we can from it. Our guest, Ty Cobb, who for a time was an attorney for President Trump working within the White House back during the Russia investigation. Matter of fact, he was on this very program at the one of the moments that was most high visibility uh, in that. So, Ty, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming back. Great to see you, Major. Thanks for having me. Get up on that microphone. Yes, Do you sir. like Jerry Garcia? Get your inner hey. Grateful Dead spirit <laughs> flowing freely. Broadly, I just step back. What do you think this case with the search warrant executed at Mar-a-Lago is and isn't about? So I think it is, in my own view, it is about the bigger picture. Uh, the January 6th issues, the fake electors, the whole um, you know, scam with regard to the big lie and the attempts to disrupt uh, the um, events at the Capitol on January 6th and to uh, try to hold on, cling to um, the presidency in a desperate fashion. So you think, even though the Justice Department has not said so in any of its filings, this execution of a search warrant was about classified documents and other documents, to be sure, but also there is some sense... You're saying the Justice Department has that other things relevant to those other cases might also be there. I believe so. The search warrant is unusually large. And broad. It's very, very um, comprehensive in terms of, you know, the types of documents that the government could take. Um, And, you know, for example, you can take any box that has has a document. You can take any box adjacent to a box that has a document. Those are pretty broad parameters. Uh, you know, it's not, not, you know, that unusual, but it's, you know, in the context of a 
former president of the United States, the first time anything like this has ever been done. It's a pretty broad search. You know, and for example, you know, they took 40 years of his medical records, his tax records, um, uh, you know, some attorney-client privileged documents. You, you would hope they would have exercised more care. It doesn't disqualify the search. Mm-hmm. But, and, and to be sure, there were grounds for the search based on the classified documents that they had previously received. Uh, so notwithstanding the fact that in June they had discussions about how to acquire mm-hmm. more, uh, they certainly had the right, the legal right, to do a search. So if I hear you, what you're saying is they're looking for things what which might provide clear-cut evidence of presidential involvement in things related to the big lie, the January 6th riot at the Capitol, or trying to maintain his hold on power. Yes, that's my view because, um, you know, the standard on, on classified documents, you know, keep in mind Hillary Clinton, contrary to her statement yesterday that she had none, uh, had at least 193 pages of classified documents and had destroyed at least 30,000 by her own admission, but nobody knows actually how many tens of thousands of documents were actually destroyed. Um, it's, not, it's not unusual for a president, particularly one who had to leave in the haste with which Trump left because he was fighting impeachment right up until the last week. You know, it's not unusual to commingle some documents, but typically you work closely with the archives and with the intelligence agencies to get them back to them as quickly as possible. What do you remember about the president and his relationship to documents, paperwork, and the like? So in, in my experience, you know... And remind the audience what your experience was. So I was um, special assistant to the president of the United States and the uh, lead White House lawyer managing the relationship with uh, the Mueller special counsel office, during the um, so you were in the White Russia House Gate. daily, yes, daily. Okay, and what's your recollection of the president's relationship to these either procedures or documents in general? So the president, um, you know, he was uh, cautioned many times about you know not tearing up documents. Um, in my own experience, I have to say um, there wasn't really anything you know quite as you know. Um, consequential as the press reports uh, that I've read. You know, I saw him tear up newspaper articles, which sadly some staffer would have to tape back together at the end of the day. Uh, I saw him tear up, you know, sort of inconsequential uh, documents, but I never saw him, you know, tear up a classified document or, um, you know, something, something that was uh, important. Would you say the White House procedures in relationship to classified documents was more casual than maybe previous occupants? Not in my experience. And in, in my experience, the, uh, particularly the uh, national security people uh, were diligent about managing access, you know, return, handling uh, of all those documents. I received and reviewed thousands of classified documents. Uh, they were always... Uh, at the Trump White House. At the Trump White House in a skiff. Um, and uh, they were always either, you know, uh, in, a, in a secured area or in a safe. Um, so it was not a... It wasn't a ragtag exercise. And a skiff is a secured, compartmented information facility. Yes, it is. Just for people to know. We hear, we hear these 
acronyms all the time. What a place basically means is a place that has been secured and then inspected for its security and in which you can review comfortably those review those documents. Right. So, you, so all those procedures were up to snuff in, yes, in the in Trump my, White in House. In my experience. Um, and when the President Trump would tear things up, would that be casually or in a fit of rage or what was that about? It was more casual, I mean, in my experience. I mean, there may have been times where he was angry. I I didn't experience that. Um, I mean, I experienced times that he was angry. I didn't experience times when he was angry when he was tearing up documents. Right. Um, There have been assertions made by the Justice Department that the president's lawyers in these conversations over the documents at Mar-a-Lago were not honest, were deceptive. Do you think that's a real thing? I, I don't think anybody can say for sure. Uh, I think um, now it is clear that somebody um, on Trump's behalf as a lawyer uh, indicated to the Justice Department that there were no more classified documents. And there were. And, and, and it appears there were. The, the, the government asserts right. that there the were. The government asserts there were. You know, until you see the actual documents or arguments are made about the individual documents, you can't be, you know, you can't be 100% sure. Do you think the president is in serious legal water here? I think the president is in serious legal water, not so much because of the search, but because of the uh, obstructive activity he took in connection with the January 6th proceeding. I think the and the attempts to interfere in the election count in Georgia, uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and perhaps Michigan. And do you think he will be prosecuted for any of those issues? I think this Department of Justice has signaled that they intend to prosecute him no matter what. No matter what? No matter what. When you say no matter what, what do you mean no matter well, what? Well, so... Not no matter what the evidence is. Oh, but no, 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 not at all. And I apologize if uh, that was the implication. No, I mean, um, I think there are... So you have seen uh, serious constitutional uh, people on both sides, um, you know, express concern about the impact of uh, acting uh, in an enforcement-based mode against a former president. And I think those are serious historical concerns. It's a very important bridge to ever cross. And we'll talk about whether or not that bridge will be crossed in segment two of The Takeout. I'm Major Garrett. Ty Cobb is our guest. More coming up in just a minute. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. It is lunchtime. It will soon be here, courtesy of our host restaurant, Riss. Always happy to be here. Ty Cobb is our guest. Ty, you were talking about, before we went to break, this enormous bridge, which has never been crossed in American history. And it was talked about a lot during the Trump presidency. Could you indict a sitting president, for goodness sake? That's completely uncharted territory. Could we see the indictment of a former president? Now, that did loom possibly when 
Richard Nixon resigned the presidency, yes, but a full and unconditional pardon was granted by President Gerald Ford, a politically volatile, to put it mildly, decision, but one that shielded former President Nixon from any prosecution. We have not had that. We're not going to get that, it doesn't look like. What do you think the possibilities are of an indictment of former President Trump? I think they're very high. Um, I believe that uh, unlike Ford, uh, who was who sought counsel, uh, got good counsel from Dick Cheney and others uh, at the time um, to, to pardon Nixon. Um, it probably cost him the subsequent election against Jimmy Carter, uh, but within five years it was popular with 87% of the country because it allowed the country to heal. As he said uh, it would. Right. There's no interest, no apparent interest, in this administration and the healing of the country. So you think it's probable. Do you think it's wise? I, I think it could be uh, wise. wise. Uh, I think there will be... You know what be, I'm driving at here? Because no, there's, I know there's exactly this great conversation I, I think, like... I think... Is it, it, what we say in this country all the time, no one is above the law. Right. And there have been people, uh, legal scholars, who are not necessarily partisans who said, look, if we mean that, the facts have to demonstrate that. I agree with that and if the facts demonstrate it even if it is politically injurious even if it causes as one sitting senator lindsey graham from south carolina possibly said riots in the streets we have to do it yeah i thought lindsey's uh, senator graham's comment was um uh not not the most elegant statement uh, at the time but inflammatory I, but i don't i don't think he's wrong uh on the other hand i think we ought to be looking for ways to bring the country together. I, I think it would be, in my own personal opinion, I, I don't believe it's wise to prosecute a president for a process crime, like possession of documents you know, shortly after the end of his administration that had been being negotiated uh, before the government you know, <laughs> shut off communication for nine weeks, mm -hmm. and then executed a search warrant it could have executed nine weeks earlier i've had several people within the trump orbit talk to me like this okay they packed in a hurry a bunch of stuff came down to mar-a-lago and then trump hears some librarian at the national archives is getting into his business and trump's ego is so strong he's like the heck with that and i'm using the most gentle language i can conjure in respect to the former president he probably used language much more uh florid and um coarse but i'm not come on I'm, I'm i'm not dealing this is a silly process i'm the former president i took a bunch of stuff just work it out i can they've, they've talked to me in that way does that sound potentially consistent with a frame of mind you either witnessed or could imagine for the former well president? so i don't believe that's true okay i mean i i just don't believe the you know, we were talking and things were hunky-dory and then, you know, they suddenly showed up. That, I, I don't believe that. You don't buy that? No. I, I do believe that they, there is a clear indication they were having serious negotiations through June, early June, very early June. Uh, and then um, there was no communication between then and the, um, uh, of consequence, between then and the uh, search, uh, search. But I think uh, what I'm saying is I think when you talk about the bridge that could be crossed, right. I think it's one thing to cross that bridge on a process crime. Um, now, having, having classified documents, 
particularly if you are actively using them, mm-hmm. could be a, could be an offense well worthy of prosecution. Sure, well worthy of prosecution. But um, if, as I suspect, this is know, about January sixth. If yes, that is about January sixth. I think that's much different. Mm-hmm. I think this that was the first time in American history that a president unconstitutionally attempted to remain in power uh, illegally. Uh, and I think and that is, from I, your vantage point, prosecutable and should be prosecuted. In my own, in my own view, and, and there are constitutional uh, practitioners and scholars who agree or disagree, mm-hmm. uh, I believe that, is, uh, that would merit prosecution. And for the audience's benefit, I want to let them understand that when you worked for f- former President Trump and you were the liaison with the Mueller investigative team, you worked very hard on his behalf, on behalf of the institution of the presidency, and on behalf of the evidence. And you and I had a lot of conversations about that. Right. And I know you believe in the end, justice was served. That in the end, there wasn't evidence of a crime. So you've looked at situations in which others look at it and say, oh my gosh, the President Trump was a criminal. And you're like, no, he wasn't. And we went through a process, and that's what was the conclusion that was reached. What you just said, though, is on January 6th, that's a completely different thing. I believe so. And, and let me, if you don't mind, just, sure. just put some background and yeah, context yeah. on the table on that. So what we now know about the Russia investigation, and keep in mind, I was, I was a White House employee. I represented the White House. I didn't represent the president Not personally. Not as a personal attorney, right. Jay Sekulow and John Dowd represented the president right. personally. I, there would never have been a need for my job had the existing White House counsel uh, not uh, erroneously uh, turned himself and many of his colleagues into witnesses uh, and potential witnesses in the Russia investigation. I got brought on because the White House counsel was forced to recuse himself. Uh, So my position in dealing with the, the Mueller team was more along the lines of what the White House counsel ordinarily would have done you know, had he not been disqualified. Right. So in that position, um, you know, I had to look hard at the facts. I had to protect privileges. I had to work closely with all the witnesses and secure their cooperation uh, and preserve executive privilege, which we, we succeeded in, in, in getting done. We now know that the Russia investigation was a, a Hillary Clinton idea. Brennan, as we now know, advised the White House in late June of uh, 2020 that um, Hillary Clinton, that their intelligence was Hillary Clinton was initiating a false flag operation trying to tie Trump to a Russian... 2016, not 2020. I'm 2016, I apologize. No? Yes, I'm sorry, my bad. Totally my bad. 2016. Uh, 2016. And that the Hillary Clinton was trying to try to tie Trump to a false flag Russian investigation. Three days later, you know, after Comey and the president, Obama, and Susan Rice and others are received this intel at the White House, Peter Stroke opens up not an investigation into Hillary's false flag operation, crossfire hurricane. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and we also know from Durham's work and the evidence that came in, during the recent trial of Sussman that um, lawyers on behalf of the DNC and Hillary's campaign 
tried persistently to sell both the dossier and steel dossier. Yes, and the and the uh, alleged bank fraud crime uh, to the Justice Department um, and keep the traction. And the on. takeaway from all that is what the takeaway from all that is you know the people that think Trump was a crit- was a cr- criminal because of Russia, which was you know a well covered you know highly embraced theme. It was false. Um, and that's and and Mueller and that color essentially public perceptions that. of what's going on now. Does it right, not? Mark Short was on this program last week saying you can't evaluate any of these things without remembering how Republicans have grievances about the past. That's that's true. That is and true. fair from I, your estimation. Well, some of them are fair. Not all of them are mm-hmm. fair. But you know, the certainly the Russia. Uh, but thing also, is it's fair. worth it's worth saying that. Okay, that's one thing, but this is a distinctly other thing. Which is exactly as you acknowledged how I feel. Uh, You know, I don't think the big lie... That's that, and this is this. Right. I don't think the big lie, interfering with Pence, you know, saying Mike deserves this when people are shouting, kill Pence. Right. um, I think that's outrageous. I think interfering with what um, uh, the vice president, you know, was obligated to do, trying to, you know persuade him in very aggressive um, and personal terms. efforts yeah. um, to not not to certify the election and to send certain electors back I think that was I think that was criminal that's the voice of Ty Cobb our special guest lunch is on its way here at risk segment three of the takeout coming up in just one moment That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Ty Cobb is our special guest. So, Ty, I want to talk to you. We're going to get to the big lie in a second. It's a very big topic for me. Uh, but for the audience's benefit, they know that there was a court decision recently. A special master has now, at least according to one judge, been set in motion. I've seen lots of commentary about that decision, pro and con. What's your evaluation of the decision by this one particular judge sought out by the Trump lawyers? There's allegations of judge shopping, not unusual in American justice, about the idea of a special master. So at 30,000 feet, mm-hmm. you know, please, let me, let me, if you don't mind, let me just approach this the way I would have had I been representing um, Trump or uh, others at Mar-a-Lago at the time. Okay. Yeah, I would have moved for a special master before the, uh, even before the search was over, uh, because while it was going on, you'd have, yeah, you'd have been at the I've been in the court asking that filing you know, the, the do- documents be segregated and that you know a special master go through them, because of two things, the same two things that Trump argued, um, in essence, uh, the attorney-client privilege issues and the executive privilege issues. Now, on the executive privilege issues, there is a perception out there that President Biden has waived all of Trump's executive privilege. 
But that's not the case law. There's no mm-hmm. case law that suggests he has that power. Mm-hmm. There's case law, and, and he hasn't actually done it. He waived, he waived it as to specific things, um, and um, they're entitled to those specific things. And actually, I think, I believe, Congress has already received the documents as to which he waived it. The issue as to whether a current president has the ability to waive all executive privilege on behalf of a former president has never been resolved. So, you know, for that reason, I think there is a good basis, as the judge said, this has not yet been fully litigated. You know, we need guidance to the extent any documents might be subject to that argument. Let's segregate them, and then, you know, subsequently it'll be litigated. The special master is not going to make a decision as to whether or not the documents should be turned over. In simple terminology, help my audience understand what a special master is and So does. a special master is the functional equivalent of, um, uh, well, it's the functional equivalent, frankly, of a federal magistrate judge uh, because the only authority he has is to act on behalf of a federal judge to, seg- to review and segregate documents that may be subject to privilege claims. Is umpire a useful metaphor? Yes, very much so. Uh, and there's no discretion to say, oh, these are definitely executive privileged or these are definitely attorney-client privileged. They're, they do have the discretion, though, to set aside documents that could be subject to either of those claims, and then the judge and the litigants will uh, work that out. Some have criticized the judge who appointed or said there would be an appointment of a special master for saying, well, care has to be taken because this is a former president. And probably said, well, wait a minute. We're all equal under the law. Why does there have to be special care? What do you think the judge was driving at, and do you find some legitimacy in that assertion? I, so I don't know what the judge was driving at, and I think that portion did of— Did that catch your eye? Yes, it did. Uh, on the other hand, keep in mind, as I said— there is some special care required legally because there is an open constitutional issue as to whether the president does have a lingering executive privilege power um, applicable to those documents. And the case law is that he does, and it's subject to the Justice Department you know, overcoming that privilege uh, with a demonstration of need. And, you know, they may well be able to do that, uh, but at, at least at the moment, there is no uh, rule that, the, that Trump's privilege has disappeared. Do you respect the opinions of Bill Barr, former attorney general? I, I very much do. I think he's, a, you know, I think he's a very uh, serious man, uh, well knows the Constitution. He said that this will be the equivalent of a rain delay to extend our umpire baseball metaphor, but he will not derail the investigation. The underlying issues are still the underlying issues. There were documents in a place they didn't belong. They are the possession of the National Archives. The law was violated. There might have been dissembling by the Trump team. Those things are facts, and they're not going to go away. I embrace that wholeheartedly. You completely agree with that? I do. Okay. Um, Do you think that for the public's sense of where this is going, this quote-unquote legal victory for Trump takes some pressure off of this situation? Well, it's not clear. You know, there there are persistent leaks from the Justice Department. There was a leak today about uh, um, uh, 
an allegation that uh, one of the Time documents. Check Sports fans, September 7th is the day that uh, Ty is referring to. Article in the Washington Post suggesting that some of the underlying documents had information relevant to nuclear capabilities of another nation. Yes. Right. And um, so, you know. It's and not, you don't it, like those leaks because? Well, because I think they go, I think, sadly, they fill the hand of those who believe this was all political. Um, and I think, uh, I think they're unfortunate. I don't, I don't like leaks at any time. Right. But uh, when you have someone who is the subject of an investigation making public representations that millions upon millions of Americans absorb instantaneously, nothing dealing with nuclear. Former President Trump has said that. Yes. Does the Justice Department have any obligation to counter that? No. In fact, they're obligated not to. Okay. And they uh, should keep the and they should keep their conversations as right. Attorney General Garland, Merrick Garland has said, read our filings, that's where we will speak. Right. That's where they should speak. That's where they should speak. Not through leaks. And and you, and you certainly don't I mean if you believe that the document was classified, you don't indicate what's in it. Um, so does and, it read to you Ty like mm-hmm. there was a mole in Mar-a-Lago? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, Some people I mean, have speculated about that. Well, so yeah, there is speculation, and you know, but if you look closely at the uh, the twenty eight pages that are not black, uh, <laughs> there's nothing nothing in there that suggests that. Now, it may well be in those you know redacted twenty eight pages, uh, but but the urgency there. You know, if you read the document that is available, there really actually is no sense of urgency. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a factual recitation of you know what they so believe to find. So it doesn't read to, to you like that there was somebody in Mar-a-Lago who saw all this and was a back channel giving evidence to the Justice Department. No, I mean there well could be, but it doesn't read like it doesn't that. read that way. All right, back to the big lie. Well, actually, can I make yes, one more point please, on this? Please, of course. So, you know the the calamitous you know reporting about you know how weird this is and unusual and how bad the judges. Is, I think, distorted. When you say calamitous. You, what do you mean? I think it's a gross distortion of a simple fact. Okay. Um, as a, a point that a good friend of mine once shared with me that happens in this town from time to time. Um, but the um, uh, the reality is, in the Giuliani search in New York, okay, the government agreed to a special master. On, on two issues, executive privilege and attorney-client privilege, mm-hmm. identical to this. So the theory that this is weird and never been done before and highly unusual, the government itself has, has agreed in the Giuliani case to precisely what this judge is Do you on. think the Justice Department will or should appeal this ruling? You know, I don't know. I don't, in my own view, the judge has wide discretion to appoint a special master. I don't think there's ever been a target in history, you know, who could cite more specific FBI misconduct, thanks to Michael Horowitz, um, directed personally at him. Than the Uh, former president. Right. I mean, you've got multiple lies to the FISA court. You've got, you know, uh, clear bias, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that Horowitz brought out. All part of the record. Right. So I think... Under, and admitted to by the FBI. Right. Under circumstances like that. And, and you know, as late as, as late as this week when Agent Thib- Thibault um, was uh, walked out of the building last week, I guess, um, because of his uh, misconduct in the Hunter Biden case. So all of that is, must be weighed by someone like the judge in this particular right. case. And, and, but I agree with Barr that 
The underlying it, facts don't change. The underlying facts don't and change. And are not going to change. And it's a speed bump. You know, it's a rain delay. It's a rain delay. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to derail anything. Right. That is the voice of Ty Cobb. I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, lunch will be at this table sometime soon. We're at risk. Happy to be here. Promises, promises. Segment for the takeout in just one second. <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From CBS News, this is The Takeout with Major Garrett. Welcome back to The Takeout. Ty Cobb is our guest. Ty, let's talk about the big lie. And this is why it's important to me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I've got a book coming out September 20th. You've heard me mention it before. You'll hear me mention it many more times called The Big Truth, which stands in direct opposition to the big lie. And I don't have anything against former President Trump, and I don't have anything against Trump supporters who say lots of election laws were changed as a result of the pandemic, and that left them with questions and concerns. I invite questions and concerns. I really do. What I don't invite is conspiracy theories and evidence-free assertions that cannot stand up to any scrutiny whatsoever. And don't listen to me. Listen to everyone around former President Trump. All the legal beagles in the White House, the legal beagles at the campaign, the campaign leaders themselves, his attorney general, the Justice Department that looked into it, which was unusual in of itself to look into it. Oh, yes. And they all came back with the exact same conclusion. It isn't there, Mr. President. Whatever happened was not mathematically significant by any stretch of the imagination to overturn the election, period, move on. And we haven't, and he won't. Right. Oh, no, he definitely won't. And, and you know, I actually... Do you regard that as a defect in his character? I, so, my personal view is uh, it's, it's less a character issue than a personality defect. Tell uh, me the difference. I, I believe... Um, I believe former President Trump to be a deeply wounded narcissist, and he is um, often incapable of acting other than in his perceived self-interest or for revenge. Uh, I think those are the two compelling instincts that guide his um, uh, actions. I think it, that's why it takes you know, particularly strong advisors uh, to help him better understand what his self-interest and that of the and country And what his is. limits are. And what his limits are. And what the Constitution actually says. Right. And I think, sadly, he's gone through some talented advisors. Uh, from chewed him up. Good advisors. Uh, chewed him up. And is now uh, working with way too many people who tell him what he wants to hear. And in many cases, those people have a financial self-interest in what they're telling him. That I know less about. I mean, there are people who make money off the big lie. Oh, no question. No question. And the big lie is still hurting the country. In fact, last night in Massachusetts, um, you know, the president endorsed... Uh, candidate uh, for governor? Yeah, an election denier candidate for governor who upset 
um, the um, candidate of independents and mainstream Republicans, and uh, almost certainly will lose, as will many other Trump's elected candidates. I argue in my book, The Big Truth, that this process plays with unquenchable fire, and it's deeply dangerous. I, and I concur with that. I think it's. I think it is so tragic. I mean, that, that, you know, I'm, I, you know, criticized uh, the current administration modestly earlier by suggesting that there didn't seem to be any interest in healing. Trump has, you know, no interest in healing either. Uh, and, you know, I don't. I don't think, um, sadly, that the future of America is enhanced by either position. I think uh, we're on a downward spiral and the safety net of leadership that we need is nowhere on the horizon. And for those in the audience uh, who might say, well, Major, are you completely glossing over the 2000 election? Democrats challenged that in Florida. Very close, by the way. Very, very close. There were significant legal issues about voter intent, litigated on both sides, and ultimately Al Gore accepted and conceded. Major, you're forgetting about 2004. No, it's in my book. Democrats raised objections wrongfully about Ohio and Diebold machines. That wasn't correct then. What about 2016? Yes, they raised objections, but Hillary Clinton conceded and didn't support either recount calls for or any attempts in Congress herself or her campaign to block certification. The Trump faction did and has, and it led to January 6th. Those are facts, people. Clear-cut undeniable facts and they're part of a stain i believe on american history that he bears significant responsibility for i i totally embrace that now i will say you know um uh, only for context that you know in in each of the uh, democratic elections with the exception of uh, the gore election there were uh, when the the 2012 16, or no, I'm sorry, uh, the um, 2004, 2016, you know, there were Democrats who voted not to seat certain electors. Yes. Um, and that's not But the head of the ticket didn't, uh, but, didn't endorse it, well, and it wasn't and, a, and, a and there was And there was nobody attempting to cling to power no. or to suggest uh, that the election must be overturned or legally. Or to assemble a large protest on the, sta- on the right. steps and, of the Capitol and, and then have that protest and, and go in there to disrupt and abuse and desecrate the capital and make up wholesale falsehoods that were shared with legislatures in testimony and lawsuits right and just for the audience's benefit because you have some experience on this the assertions being made in some of these lawsuits about the ability and the standing of texas to nullify election results in pennsylvania are daffy absurd absurd you know just just like the theory that, uh, you know, the, the machines uh, were designed to malfunction in, in uh, Trump's favor, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, to Trump's detriment, and, and that, you know, electors uh, were not properly elected, you know, it, just nuts. There was never, and that's, and that's why I give Barr credit, because, as you said, he did not have to look into it. He didn't look into it to try to protect the president. He looked into it to try to be in a position to inform the president of how wrong he was. And he did so. Mm-hmm. And what is it about the president's personality that made him impenetrable to Barr's assertions 
his own legal counsel's assertion, his own campaign's assertions. What, what is it about him that couldn't hear that? Um, abject narcissism. And the wounding. Mm-hmm. Sense that he couldn't believe that he actually lost. Right. He doesn't believe he lost. I believe that. And do you think he ever will? Uh, well, I think in some aspect he knows he did, but not in, not in the aspect that penetrates his public persona. Do you think he will run again? So that's a very interesting question, and that brings me back to another sort of obstacle uh, that I see um, to the healing of America. There is a simple way to disqualify President Trump. Yeah. He, he clearly violated the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, Article 3, when he gave aid and comfort in three hours of inaction you know, with regard to what was happening on the, the, Capitol, the Capitol and sent out the equivocal you know, email about tweet. Pence. Yeah, tweet, I'm sorry, uh, about Pence, you know, uh, suggesting that Pence had, had failed. Uh, that clearly gave aid and comfort to the insurrectionists. Under Article 3, giving aid and comfort to the insurrectionists means, you know, after a joint, <laughs> a joint uh, declaration by the House and the Senate, a majority, majority only, it doesn't require 60 or 67 you're votes. You're disqualified. You're disqualified forever, from ever running again. And why that has not occurred, it was popular early on, but the fact that it's been delayed and delayed when we could you know, easily modify the conversation by disqualifying him now, whether he gets prosecuted or not, I find sad. We're going to pick up that line of conversation in our takeout outtake especial. For our radio audience, we need to say farewell. But those of you on CBS News streaming and the podcast platform, stay tuned for that. I'm Major Garrett. We'll see you next week. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. From CBS News, this is The Takeout. With Major Garrett. Welcome to your takeout outtake especial. You know who I am, Major Garrett. Riss is our host restaurant. Glad to be here. Chicken Milanese has arrived. Very happy about that, Ty Cobb. Let's continue that conversation we had that rounded out the show, and I hope everyone has come here to catch more of it. If I heard you correctly, you said Congress can disqualify the president, and that's it. And, and it shouldn't take, <laughs> shouldn't take much effort. And they could do this in the lame duck session. They could do it in in the lame duck session, and that may be their intention. You know, it's it's, and all it would require is a resolution on the floor of the House and the Senate and majority support. Yes, and the assertion. So yeah, so I will say I'm not sure whether it needs 60 votes. I'm not sure whether it's subject to a closure petition. May need 60 votes to be voted on. I think I think there would be 60 votes to vote on it. And that would essentially say the president gave aid and comfort to those who were ransacking the Capitol. On January 6th, that is aiding insurrectionists, and for that perp and under under the 14th Amendment, you're out. Right, just aiding and aiding and comforting insurrectionists, you're out. And for those Trump supporters, Ty, who say it wasn't an insurrection, it just got a little out of hand. People have been prosecuted for it being an insurrection, and 
I think seditious conspiracy. I think it's yeah. I think um, so. Seditious conspiracy. I actually have some difficulty with just because of the elements of the offense, but um, it's certainly insurrectionist um, activity, and he certainly gave Aiden comfort during his uh, three hours and seven minutes of inactivity at the White House and the uh, um, tweet um, uh, criticizing Pence. Have you watched any of the January 6th proceedings? Watch it very carefully. I have many friends on the committee. Um, I I think it's interesting. I regret that it uh, is not a bipartisan committee. I think it would have greater uh, uh, impact. Uh, But at the same time, I think that certainly many of the facts that they've developed um, are uh, compelling. It is bipartisan, but only because of the Republicans chosen by the Speaker. Yes. It is that, not a collaboratively yes, bipartisan. Yes, she would not allow the Republicans to nominate their own people, and the Republicans therefore declined to you know, uh, add, add additional Republicans. And for those Republicans, like former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, who called a Stalinist show trial, what would you say? I, I think there is a show trial aspect to it, certainly the timing. I mean, you know, I'm not aware of much of anything that they have come up with that they didn't have a year ago. Um, so I think the timing, you know, is, is reasonably subject to criticism. But is it Stalinist? I don't, I don't think so, because this was a huge event in American history. This was unprecedented, and it goes to the core of our democracy. And does it strike you that it ought to matter for the historical record that the vast majority of witnesses called by the committee once worked for the former president? Oh, yes. I think, I think that's, you know, I think that's an important fact. And I think, you know, good on them for coming forward. Do you think it would have been more helpful if they had come earlier and not under the uh, requirement of a subpoena? That is to say, there's some criticism. Well, you're so brave now. It's compulsion. It, it's, it's, it's bravery by compulsion. Well... Subpoenaed bravery is not the same as right. organic bravery. So I think I, 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 I agree with that up to a point. Um, again, the Constitution you know, created executive privilege. Executive privilege is a compelling um, part of the um, physical forces that keep our Constitution from you know, falling to the wayside. Uh, it plays an important role. Uh, president needs good advice from presidential advisors and needs courts to uh, dictate, you know, when those privileges uh, prevent testimony and when they allow it. I think the, the fact that the legal process played out as to many, um, um, you know, is, is, is imperative. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't have got to those White House people without a subpoena. Some of them. Right. You know, like Steve Bannon, he never had a privilege. I mean, he no, left in right. 2017. He right. wasn't working at the White House. No. The, the fact that he was whispering in Trump's ear for, for God knows what, what reason, uh, given the fact that Trump had fired him in 2017, you know, he had, he had no justification. And he now stands guilty of uh, contempt of Congress and, you know, accused uh, yesterday, I believe, in a sealed indictment in New York of uh, the fraud scheme for which uh, Trump pardoned him federally. Exactly. That is the voice of Ty Cobb, our special guest. Lunch has arrived. It's very good. I am now keeping Ty Cobb away from his lunch, which is not good manners, (laughs) I fully grant you. 
Ty, it's been a great pleasure. Thanks so much. Always my pleasure, buddy. We'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us at The Takeout. And thanks to Riss, our host restaurant. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanen. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to takeoutpodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like The Takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free starting May 1st with a 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most-watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.